Hello, I'm Fern Cotton and this is Happy Place, the show that encourages you to embrace your full potential. Today I'm meeting two very energetic souls. It's twin brothers Dave and Steve. You might know them better as the happy pair. You can be in a marriage and feel lonely. You can be around crowds and feel lonely. Loneliness isn't about the absence of people. It's the sense of belonging. And I think the more and more we can create an environment where we we're seen and we're, we're seen for who we are with our problems, with our faults, and we're allowed to display our vulnerability. It just gives that sense, that ability for us to connect. I spoke to Dave and Steve at the end of last year, remotely over in Ireland. If you're following them on Instagram, you'll know that because, oh boy, do they like their morning swims in the freezing Irish sea. I'll let them tell you how that all came about. It's a really brilliant story. The Happy Pair began way back in 2004 as a tiny shop that had big dreams of helping people eat more vegetables. Now, the Happy Pair consists of over 40 products, a load of online courses, whole food retail cafes and shops, a range of cookbooks, a farm, a roastery and really crucially, a thriving community of people encouraging each other to live healthier lives. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, this is the show. Steve, we have been meaning to do this for so long. I don't know. I mean, there's a pandemic that got in the way and all sorts of things. But I'm so glad at last we are here to chat about life. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Delighted to be here for I've been so looking forward. To, oh, I'm, I'm over the moon. I've, I've been so looking forward to doing this. I've been a, a fan of yours for a long time. I've been following your work and, and love what you do. My husband was very jealous that I was talking to you today. He, he adores you guys, adores your books. So we've got, we've got so much to get through. Are you well and happy today? Did you have your morning swim? We did. We did, of course. Yeah, we, we, this morning, what do we do? This morning, oh, can we can we go to the morning? Okay, this morning, a friend had been telling me for ages about the artist way. You know that book that people do. I've more. got it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've had it for a few years, but I've never actually done it. But he kept telling me about doing the morning pages and writing six pages. Yep. So this morning, the cafe was closed, so I got up this morning around half five, and and I was tinkering around for a little bit, and then from six, I was like, right, I'm going to write the morning pages. So I wrote four morning pages, and then I met Steve, and we did a bit of messing around, did kind of handstands and press ups and, and stretch. And, and then, then we, we did. Then we did a Q and A on mental health with Brezzy, and then we went for a swim, and then did kids' lunches and brought the kids to school. So it was great. And what temperature was the water today? Cold. It's gone. To, it's just gone sub ten, <laughs> so it's like nine point eight degrees. Oh, kind yeah. of bracing. It's lovely. Oh, but the, the air temperature lovely. was eleven, so it was lovely. It was really, and there was good crack down there today. There was a good crew, and everyone was in good spirits. Maybe it was just because it felt slightly warmer, but it was yeah, it was good joy. Oh. 
I love that you do this and I love your approach to keeping yourselves feeling well, which seems to be very intuitive. Like you said, this morning you did a few handstands, a bit of stretching. It's not like you have this rigid timetable that you stick to that you're doing cycling one day, a hit workout the next. It all seems really sort of gentle, although you were, of course, exerting yourself and you're extremely fit, but it's it's very gentle and intuitive. And then going into the sea, a very beautiful sort of natural endeavour. I really love your approach to, to staying well. Yeah, thanks. It's not like conscious, I guess. We're curious and kind of, but it happened kind of organically because I'd say for 10 years, we were super into Ashtanga yoga. So we used to do that militantly. Like we used to do six days a week for, I'd say, 10 years. And we were very and supple. Y- yoga is almost like kind of a move from someone from the competitive sports into competitive yoga. And Ashtanga is like <laughs> the competitive yoga practice. And we were doing that and we found we got really su- supple in certain ways and very flexible in certain ways, but then very rigid in other ways. So I'd say the last five years, we've just been wandering around doing different things and having way more fun and find play. There's a lot more play and cure curiosity and at the moment where we're really enjoying does play mean like sitting making lego or what does play no mean, David? okay sorry yeah okay <laughs> thanks good clarification steve i forgot this is a neural medium um play as in like movement type of play like some days we do animal movement some days we do handstand some days we do yoga some days we just go ah feck it i couldn't be arsed let's just you know have coffee <laughs> and coloring books no not quite but... <laughs> but you know what fun is so important because When we talk about, I feel I always say the word wellness with trepidation because it's such a, when we talk about wellness and I've, you know, I I feel conflicting sort of using that word because lots of people use it in different ways. But when we approach wellness and certainly sort of fitness and, and physical exercise, it doesn't necessarily seem very fun. It's like you need to do this to, you know, work out to be fitter. Whereas what you've just described is a lovely you know, form of curiosity into sort of moving your body and how it can move and how you can best feel good. And I think fun is lacking from that usually. So I, I again, I, I love your approach. It's beautiful. Ah, thanks, Mel. I think you can almost be quite goal orientated. You know, people go to the gym because they have a certain, you know, weight they want to reach or some they want to have big muscles or they want to whatever their goal in particular is. Whereas I think the more, and this sounds real cliche, but I think the more you can enjoy all the little moments in between, the more it's fun, like, and when it's fun, it's sustainable. Cause the only thing that really is sustainable is joy, feeling good, ha- what we would call in Ireland, having the crack. And I think it's like, you know, training on my own always felt like penance. It felt like I was out there with the whip going. Whoosh, whoosh, yeah. Another press up. Yeah. This type of thing. Yeah. Whereas when I met Dave and I met Raj and a few of us trained together, there was a sense of camaraderie, a sense of, although we were possibly pushing ourselves in certain ways, there was a sense of fun and joy. And can you do that one arm handstand? Can you do that? Can you do this? And it's like, Woo-hoo! And, you know, you were doing the exercise, but it felt there was a sense of kind of collectively going there together. Yeah, it's so important, like you just said, to to look at, an, um, you know, your own bespoke approach to well-being um, that's sustainable. And of course, if you're doing something that feels bloody awful and you hate it, you're not going to do it again. Whereas if you enjoy it and there's no sort of limits to it. You'll keep having a, a go at it, which is is gorgeous. And your morning swims, I'm absolutely fascinated by. I adore seeing on Instagram every day your amazing sunrise, or sometimes it's a bit grey and miserable, and that's how it is, but you're still getting yourselves in the sea. How, how did that start? There's obviously a lovely element of community to it as well, where you meet people on Greystones Beach and you've got people that know you'll be there at sunrise and you're all in together. How did that start? 
Can I tell the story? Yeah, you tell us. You love telling this story. Okay, okay, okay I'll go back a little. Here goes Stephen's story. Sit back now, folks. Put your feet up and have a listen. <laughs> it's Uncle it's a long Stevie's going to tell you a story. <laughs> Midland. No, okay. I remember, okay, we're, if you start a fruit and veg shop, which we started our business, Happy Pear with, we started with a fruit and veg shop. And if you start a fruit and veg shop, typically you're a Luddite. You're going the exact antithesis of technology. You're you're dealing with farmers and handing the ground. And you're, you know, you're more from more towards the soil than you are towards the satellites if you get what I mean and I remember we were about eight years into our business and you know we had the veg shop meet a cafe and we got a letter back before emails really were kind of a big thing we got a letter via post saying would we go and make juice and smoothies at this event called the web summit and we thought wow cool and it happened to be on in this place called the mansion house and we thought wow what's a mansion house I wonder who lives there yes we're doing this <laughs> so we packed up our little red van and we brought our juicer and um, fruit and veg and then we went in to make juices at this event called the founder so it was the elite part of the web summit and we were making juice and smoothies for you know a lot of it was all men really uh, and typically we, we found out one fella started this fella thing called twitter this fella called jack dorsey didn't know who he was this fella started this thing called netflix this fella called reed didn't know who what netflix was but he was a nice fella and he liked to beetroot juice so it was like great <laughs> And then there was another fella, Nick Alas, who started this thing called Skype. Again, didn't know what it was. And during the break, we were allowed to go in and listen to the talks. And there was only about 100 people at it. So it was quite small and quite intimate. So you kind of had good chats with these people. And I remember afterwards going to Dave, geez, this whole tech thing is kind of like sexy. Like we should really like get a phone. And I remember the next week, Dave, <laughs> Dave went out and got us both phones. And it was like, oh, cool. This is great. And uh, around the same time, we had children, not together, but we had children. Separately. Uh, separately. <laughs> and uh, as anyone with young children knows, they tend to wake up in the middle of the night and we'd be down walking them at sunrise, like, shh, go to sleep, shh, shh, shh go to sleep in, in the pram. And we were down at sunrise one day, took a photo, put it up on Twitter, and people seemed to really engage with the picture of a sunrise. It was like hope, new day, dawn, creativity, purity, all these type of things. So I'd kind of meet Dave most mornings and we'd go see the sunrise and we'd take a picture. And some days we'd swim and some days we wouldn't. And back about seven years ago, I was down there. I was down at the Cove. And the Cove is, it, traditionally it was called Ladies' Cove because that was in Victorian times. That's where the ladies swam. And we were down there and it was September and it was kind of a manky day, like it was windy and there was a northerly wind that had kind of skin you. But there was a beautiful sunrise. And I was kind of lining up my picture and I took my picture. And uh, there was a fella in swimming and Dave kind of points over me. He goes, look at your man. She's mad. And he, and he kind of got up and he kind of stood there with his hands on his hips. And he said, you're getting in lads. And we went to all boys school. So we tend to be quite stupid uh, when we get one of those macho <laughs> challenges. So we went, yeah, we kind of banged our chest and went, yeah, of course we are. Yeah. Uh, and then we got into the sea, even though we didn't want to get in. And we got out afterwards and we were kind of chatting and he introduced himself as Neil and oh, we had our little chat and all that. And then as he was leaving, he turned around and said, see you tomorrow, lad. Same time, same place. And it was like, yeah. So we met him the next day. And the next day, a friend, Caroline Barrington, was in the beach and she joined us. And suddenly there was four of us. And then the next day, Hugo joined us. And then the day after we brought tea and it was kind of it was magic in that this was kind of unfolding in front of our eyes. And we didn't know what it was, but it was something different and it was something unique and we were meeting like Hugo was like 10 years younger than us and Neil was 10 years older than us and here was Caroline a friend that I wouldn't normally be really good friends with but we were sharing this experience together getting to the sea being cold together and coming out and we didn't know how long we'd do it but we'd kind of 
the next day and the next day. And then we do the first of October and it was like, we paid our membership for the month of October. We better keep going. <laughs> yeah. And the bit that sustained it wasn't necessarily the cold sea and the benefits of wild swimming or, or cold water therapy. It was the friendship and the laughter and the joy and the sense of when you face a common enemy, such as the cold sea, you all become really equal and it brings you closer. And no matter if you're a lawyer or a doctor or a bin person, you stand in a pair of togs facing the cold sea, you all feel frightened. And it, it's amazing amazing how it just brings you together and you have this kind of like childish exuberance and I guess over the years we used to kind of put it up on social media you know do little stories and people would kind of they'd kind of go oh, it looks beautiful can I come and join you and I remember back about five years ago we kind of got enough messages kind of saying oh it looks great can I come and join you and uh, I remember saying to Dave Dave we, we invite people like let's let's try it so I remember I, I, we were using Snapchat at the time and I remember going I've kind of opened it up and just going all right we're having uh, a swim and you're all invited uh, and this was on a Tuesday morning Thurs we're meeting on Thursday morning at 4.30am at the happy pair because sunrise is at 4.50am and this was the big hook we're going to bring free porridge and free tea yeah and then a friend Siobhan she said why do we call it swim rise like swimming at sunrise yeah that's a good one it was like cool that sounds great and let's put it up on other social media platforms so we put it up and me and Dave arrived at the happy pair to make porridge at about 4am and there was no little pot so we said ah sure it's only oats and water and a little bit of oat milk let's make a big pot so we made a big pot and we thought there might be five people or ten people and uh, we walked out and there was about 150 people this at 4.30 a.m. We walked down the middle of the road. We went, swam in the sea. The sun rose. We made love. It was majestic. Okay, the middle... <laughs> <laughs> the, the make it love bit was a joke, but uh, subsequently we've had like, you know, with it being on social media, you know, most days of the year, you'd have people from all over the world come and join us for that simple before thing. Before the pandemic. In the sea, before the pandemic. And it's just such a, oh. such a wonderful community thing. Like it's, and now like most days there can be anywhere from a hundred to 20 to, you know, it could be, it varies and of all different ages and backgrounds and from all over the world. And it's just, everyone's equal. It's like, everyone's no, like no one in their right mind would get up fresh out of bed and want to go face the cold sea. But when you get in the habit of it, it it's just, it's like taking medicine. Like it just rewires your brain. You just feel yeah. like we'll often say, geez, it like just strips you any sense of whinge and any sense of poor me is gone. And you're suddenly gone. Oh, she's lovely. Oh my God. I feel great and it's it's just become our morning ritual for the last seven years so it's it's beautiful hearing you talk about it with such excitement and the bit that really strikes me is like you've talked about that sense of community and we need that now more than ever because this last couple of years have been ghastly in so many ways and there have been moments where everyone was looking out for each other and now it feels much less so and there's a lot of division going on and and you know anger and and all sorts of stuff and and like you say to to find an endeavor that is a leveler where you're all an equal pegging you're all bonding through a shared experience it's so important and i you know i've done a little bit of wild swimming i don't live near the sea so unfortunately it's not as regular although i could potentially find a pond or something nearby but I, I haven't dared do that as yet but I had that exact feeling last week one of my friends locally to me said oh I'm gonna go to a spinning class I'd never been spinning in my life I was not interested in spinning it sounded hideous but I thought I'll give it a go so me and my friend Abby went to this spin class and there was about 50 people in there there's music banging lights going it's like nine in the morning like being in a nightclub and we came out of the class I mean it's 
bloody hard. But we came out of the class and everyone was high-fiving and laughing. And I just thought, oh, my God, I've just shared this really wild, intense experience with 50 people that I do not know. And everyone had a real, like, good high vibe. And I got it. I was like, I get why people do this. I get why they come to a big class like this and join in and get to that, you know, it's a leveller. It's a beautiful leveller. And I, I'll go back, you know, I sort of hated the class, but I'm going back for that sense of union and community. It's so important. And because we're in this strange time, but also due to how the modern world works with technology, it just feels like we need it more than ever. I totally agree. That's, I couldn't agree more. Like, and the reality is a bit like you with the spin class, like you don't want to do it. You don't really like it. No. But like, and it's the same every day with swimming. Every single day I go down there, I go, like I walk down those steps and I go, why the heck do we do this? Oh my (laughs) God. Like, do I have to do this? Why do I always do this? And then I get off and I'm like, just get in. And then I get in and I go, oh my God, I feel amazing. And I'm one of those insufferable people that, you know, people, you know, anyway. But, but I think you... (laughs) But, but to, to talk to your kind of point about community, I think it's it's one of those natural human belongings. That's that, that need to belong. And it's something that we tend to forget. We tend to think that digitally it's the same. It's not. And if you think about, you know, we kind of evolved from the plains of the Sahara and we kind of, we, we survived not because we were the biggest or we the strongest or necessarily the fastest by any shape or form, but we survived because we had the ability to coordinate and function as a tribe. And it was only natural when one of us became isolated that we'd feel lonely, we'd feel worried, we'd feel anxious, we'd feel slightly depressed because our lives were at stake. So this is into baked into our very kind of hardware as humans. So we're kind of, you know, you can be in a marriage and feel lonely. You can be around crowds and feel lonely. Loneliness isn't about the absence of people. It's the sense of belonging. And I think the more and more we can create an environment where we we're seen and we're, we're seen for who we are with our problems, with our faults, and we're allowed to display our vulnerability. It just gives that sense, that ability for us to connect. And I think that's part of the problem of modern day society is that we kind of we're continuously one comparing ourselves to other two. We're trying to compete with others all the time, as opposed to it's only true vulnerability that it gives us self to connect. And I think this is something that is such importance in that sense of building community yeah our focus is so much on sort of quantifying popularity which is totally meaningless like you could have 10 million followers on instagram and feel utterly lonely and i think that's a really good point you know there's a loneliness epidemic that we we know is is there and people feel more disconnected than ever and maybe part of that's because of our you know the sort of dissonance between us and and nature that we've created but also like you say it's not about you know, being in a big group of people just for the sake of it. It's about there being meaning and intention behind the meetup or why you're all together and and how and why you're sharing that experience. And, you know, I guess we just need to look for more ways to do that. You're already doing that beautifully in your own community. But I think off the digital grid that we're so used to looking at, off of that sort of digital space, we need to look at actual physical community it's so so important and probably more so in urban areas where you know people don't know their own next door neighbours I used to live in central London and I didn't meet one of my neighbours at all ever for for years I just didn't ever bump into them Um, whereas now I live a bit out of London and I know all my neighbours very well and you know we've all helped each other out in the past couple of years but it's it's so important even on a budget quality is non-negotiable 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Before we delve deeper into the incredible community and empire that you guys have built, I just want to rewind and go back to the start. Uh, There's a few bits and pieces that I know of your backstory in your life from following the work that you do, but I'd love to know a bit more. So... Um, obviously, we'll state the obvious first, identical twins from Ireland. And you, um, at one point in your life in the early noughties, went off travelling separately. And I'm, I'm really intrigued in this. I, I didn't ever get the opportunity to go travelling because I started work so young and I had a quite a sort of strange childhood teen years due, due to that. I didn't get to do all the college and uni and travelling sort of bit. And I know there's many people that didn't for other reasons too, but I think the notion of travelling is is so important. And and I think from, from reading about your own lives, the thing that I've taken from it is that there's something really important about travelling and that is perhaps the unfamiliar and how in uh, an unfamiliar space, placed geographically, culturally or otherwise, you're forced to change in your own habits and behaviours and thinking and hopefully expand in some way if you're not too scared to sort of dip into newness with curiosity. Is is that what drew you to travelling in the first place? And is that what you got out of it? That's a beautiful way of articulating. That's beautiful. Uh, I, I think travel is such an important means of education and growth. You know, like we've often, we went into our, our old school there, like our old secondary school there about a month ago. And we were talking to the lads who were finishing up in school, like in sixth year, the final year. And there was lots of questions and whatever, but they kept asking about travel and we kept kind of going like the greatest education for us was never school. It was never university. It was always travel because it forces you out of your own comfort zone and you become so much more aware of who you are as an individual. And certainly that's what we found in our own experience. When we were, when we left at 20, we were, we'd both as identical twins, we'd lived in one of those pockets. We literally sat beside one another. We were, our identity was Flynn twin. Which one are you? Was probably the name we were called most. <laughs> so annoying for you. <laughs> well, it's just grand. You just didn't you know that was just the way it was. And I guess going away traveling, it gave us, it was the first kind of step into going, oh my God, who am I by myself? And what am I interested in? And the reality of us was we left as these two, you know, we were 21 or maybe we were 20. We were, I think maybe we were 22. We were semi-pro rugby players. We were playing off scratch and golf. We had done modeling. We had done degrees in business. So we'd kind of pushed ourselves into trying to achieve, accomplish, do. We were busy. We were very kind of productive and we were kind of overachievers. And we left as these kind of meatheads that drank loads of beer and ate loads of burgers and we were jocks. And then we went away traveling separately and we never would have thought what happened happened. But two years later, we came back and we were we were vegan. We were into yoga. We were we'd long hairs and beard and plaid pants. We wanted to start a vegetable shop. We were into swimming in the sea. And this transformation and we, happened. And we didn't drink alcohol. And I think yeah. part of the reason for this transformation was 
through traveling, it gave us that opportunity to actually question our social conditioning. And when we were traveling, the internet really wasn't there. You checked your Hotmail account once a week at most. So you didn't even have a smartphone. So when you traveled, there was a lot of anom- anonymity. I hate that. Try to say anonymity. that word. We were, you were anonymous somewhat. So yeah. people, you didn't have this digital kind of presence following you. So when, when I first landed in Whistler for the first time, it was like, who do I want to define myself as? Do I, I've always been a jock. Maybe I'll be like a hippie or maybe I'll try to be like a spiritual person or maybe I'll be a bit of a nerd that's into vegetables. So it gave me that social, I don't know what the word is, social, social kind of lubricant Permission. where I could, I could move around and feel who do I want to redefine myself and where do I feel comfortable? Because my, my parents aren't around, my college aren't around, my friends aren't around telling me who I should be. It's like, I can decide who I want to be. So it gave great great scope for curiosity to be explored and, and a freedom where there was less judgment, where it was like, yeah, I'm Stephen Flynn and I am really into music. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really into music. Yeah. I think I'm into music. I don't know, but I'm just <laughs> going to go with this. So it was wonderful. I think so. So through that opportunity, we got to explore, you know, I was in Whistler I, I, where I would have normally been at parties and drinking beer and all that type of thing. Instead, I'd go after work, I'd go down to the library and read vegetarian cookbooks and I'd sit and there were other kind of nerds that were interested in vegetables and we cook vegetables and talk about how we love vegetables and it was fascinating and then from there tree planting up in northern canada where i used to get a helicopter to work to hitchhiking all around america to anything weird where i'd sleep rough and i'd go to kind of polyamorous communities to meditation centers to anything slightly weird where i could try to understand how did i relate it and where was my point where I felt like this gives me meaning and purpose. And it was through that, that um, I kind of called Dave up one day. I was down in the south of France. I just done a five day water fast up in the top of Corsica on my own. And I remember I got back to the mainland in Marseille and I remember phoning Dave going, Dave, I've got this really cool idea. Like, I feel like I've changed my life in so many different ways. I want to start a food revolution. Are you in? And Dave kind of went, food revolution sounds great, deadly. Yeah, yeah, defo, defo sounds great. And I was like, do you want to start a veg shop, Dave? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's so interesting how you both had the same sort of experience that you were traveling separately, but you both found plant-based eating and, and forms of yoga as something that resonated, but you, you weren't, this wasn't a shared experience. You were off discovering yourselves independently, but you both kind of came to the same place of this is, this is what is meaningful to me. Yeah. I think we were probably maybe being identical twins. There's an element of almost like clouds, like there's an element of kind of connection, telepathy, telepathy, or maybe like that sounds weird because it's not like all woo woo but like as identical twins, you've probably had so much the same programming and so much the same inputs before we left that when we went away, you know, you're still kind of connected, even though you're not physically in the same space. And even talking once a month, you'd kind of go, you'd probably regroup and go, oh my God, wow, you're trying that. Must try that note to self. Don't want him to get ahead of me. I'm going to catch you. You know, (laughs) maybe it was an element to that. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it was funny. But so this was a a really seminal moment for you because, you know, you both came back from your respective traveling trips completely changed in mindset and outlook in life. And and that then helped you to cultivate this beautiful community that you've built over the years. You've now got, is it four cafes? Yeah, we had four before in tw- before all the COVID happened. And now we're down. Right. Now we've got one because the other three well, just did. Probably, there's two. Well, probably there's, two. There's, there's probably two, but there was two of them we definitely closed because one was in the airport, which obviously there wasn't many people there. And the other one was in a part that, you know, it just didn't make sense to keep it open. So oh, we, this two is the cafes. shame of what we've just been through. It's like so 
many beautiful places that I know locally to me have have closed and it's utterly heartbreaking. But, you know, I really hope that you guys get back up to speed with where you're at because it's so important what you're doing community wise and also on a sort of nutritional educational point as well. So so talk to me about the idea behind having your own fruit and veg shop and, and how that's evolved over the years. Yes, yeah, so, 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 so we go. No, I want to go. OK, great. <laughs> go, Dave, go, Dave. Well, you can go. So, yeah, we started with a little vegetable shop and the idea was like, you know, right from the start, we wanted to use a, a business as a vehicle for social change. It was like, okay, we've changed so much of ourselves. We've gone through this metamorphosis. How can we try to inspire other people to eat more fruit and veg, to be healthier and to have a laugh? And how can we drag as many people on this journey as we can? And that was the whole idea right from the very start. And we ended up calling it the happy pair. But I remember the name Stephen was advocate calling it, but it wouldn't actually fit in the sign. He wanted to call it Flinner's Fruit and Veg for Social Change. Because our surname is Flynn. And and that was because right from the very start, we used to go to schools. We used to talk to local schools. We used to, you know, really try to inspire anyone that would listen. So, so like when social media came along, it just gave us another outlet just to express, to try to inspire more people. To and, amplify. And, and even just, even just to get, tell a little story on this, it was back. So we started with the idea, as Steve said, um, we wanted to try like a, a fruit, a food revolution. Um, and back 10 years ago, we were, I was working in the veg shop and Stephen used to work in the cafe. And I remember one day this, a woman came in, Mary Cahill, and she said, uh, how are you lads? You'd never believe it. I've lost three stone on Weight Watchers. And it was like, wow, brilliant. That's great. And um, we were chatting away and then Steve comes out and he says, uh, geez, people love like measuring the improvements in their health. And, and he says, uh, I wonder, could we put like a plant-based diet to test like Dave? Like, could we come up with some test? Like, let's test it. And this, this is 10 years ago. And I remember I was reading by a book by this Dr. Dean Ornish. This is a doctor in the States who had shown in clinical trials in in a rigorous trial that you could reverse a lot of the indicators for heart disease by putting people on a plant-based diet, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I was reading this book and Steve said, you know that book you're reading, Dave? Like, I wonder, could we like do that in four weeks? Like if we put people on a plant-based diet, could we like get someone to measure it and show that it works? So I remember it was like, it was a Monday morning. We both walked into the local doctor. It's not about 10 years ago. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Uh, and we knock on Brennan's door, the, the Bre- our, our local doctor's door, and we say, How are you, Brennan? We're the lads in happy pair. We want to reverse heart disease. Do you know any nurses? And he said, Geez, lads, you're in luck. Angela's next door today. So we knock on Angela's door and we go, uh, How are you, Angela? We're the lads in happy pair. We want to reverse heart disease. We've got this idea, four week plan. Will you help us, Angela? And she said, Okay, yeah, fine. Okay, yeah. No, sure. she said, How much are you going to pay me? And we, we said, yeah, 50 quid. We said, 50 quid. <laughs> And we had a nurse. So we had, we had, okay, we had a nurse. We had this idea. So the next step was, okay, we need people to partake in our experiment. So we put up signs around the shop. This was pre-social media. Like 10 years ago, it wasn't prevalent. So we literally put up posters around the shop and around the town that said, reverse heart disease, skinny, sexy, delicious, free. And we had 20 people to sign up to our experiment. And we they came up. Sign up. Yeah, we, we didn't say it was an experiment though. So they came along anyway. The first night, Angela, the nurse, measured everyone's cholesterol, weight, and blood pressure. So they had three starting measures measurements and they came upstairs to us just above our veg shop in our cafe and it was we were teaching people how to cook it was pretty much everyone there was a meat and two veg people and we were like okay this is a four-week experiment we're going to put you on a plant-based diet for four weeks and you've got your baseline you've got we've got your starting measurements and everyone was kind of going okay well what are we going to eat like is it just carrots and lettuce or what do we eat so we cooked all sorts of food like dals and chilies and pad 
pies and vegetable soups and and people are tasting they go oh, that's not too bad okay i could do that so we were it was kind of like supporting people it was like a cooking class every week and you'd put on videos of doctors that kind of validated it and uh, we did this for four weeks so four weeks they were on they were on this program and they'd come once a week and in the last night they all came back again and angela the nurse measured everyone's cholesterol weight and blood pressure so that we had finishing measurements and uh we didn't know it was going to work. Yeah, we were super nervous. Yeah, we were super nervous because it was, you know, it was, it was a total, it was a total punt at it, and we were total chancers. But thankfully, there was an average drop of cholesterol at twenty percent. Everyone's blood pressure regulated, and the average person lost three kilos. So it was, it was hugely effective. It was brilliant. And we thought, oh my god, see, this is amazing. Like, wow, and. Uh, and we ended up doing more of them. We did another one the next course and journalists did it and they ended up writing articles and they got really, the courses got really popular. It was called a happy heart course. We called it because it was based on cardiovascular disease. And uh, and that kind of, it ended up getting so busy that we built an online course and it's gone on to where we now partner with doctors and gastroenterologists and cardiologists and dietitians and all sorts of experts. And they're all based on an app now. We have them in an app. Um, we really help. I think last year we helped about 50,000 people through our programs to try to support people to be healthier. And it's all the same basic thing of eating your fruit and veg, of moving, of sleeping, and really trying to build a community that supports one another because it's nothing new. It's the hard bit is actually doing it and applying it because all of us know it. Like we know what we should be doing to be healthier. The challenge is creating these habits and getting the support to keep you doing it. Well, you, you guys have been, you know, big players in myself and my husband going plant-based. Um, I'd say you guys and Ella Mills, um, who's also been on the podcast before, you know, were the, the first few people that I really saw in the mainstream doing this. And your your cookbook was, your first book was the the first plant-based book that me and my husband bought. And, uh, and you've definitely helped us on our way. So thank you. I think we've now been plant-based for about two years. And I know it's always a very sort of emotive subject because some people are like, no, don't want to do it, not interested. Some are vehemently against it for whatever reasons. But I think when you look at a proper plant-based diet and you're not using processed foods, that's the best thing to sort of be eliminating, sort of, you know, stuff that's empty calories, things that are just sort of processed and don't hold any nutritional value. Whereas if you're doing plant-based properly, you're getting so much colour and vibrancy. And it's definitely made me a much more experimental cook as well. So I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. It's um, I'm all for the plant based. I think it's great. Burn. And I think, yeah, I think it's a good distinction. Like many people, you know, I, I think in our experience of doing this for for almost two decades now, it's it's not about being vegan or vegetarian. I think the main message is to try to eat more whole plant foods, which to many yeah. people can sound like daffodils. I'm eating daffodils or roses. Like what's 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 a whole plant <laughs> food? But if you look to the blue zones, where they're the five areas in the planet where there's the most amount of centenarians, so they're people who've lived over the age of 100. And they found out that there was nine lifestyle factors that dictated why they lived such long, healthy lives. And none of them were like supersonic genes, but they were kind of basic lifestyle measures. And one of them was obviously down to diet. And they found out that they weren't necessarily vegan or vegetarian, but 95% of their diet was made of whole plant foods. And by whole plant foods, I mean fruit, veg, beans, legumes, nuts and seeds, and whole grains. And even in some of the places, over 50% of their diet was made up of 
beans. And by that, I don't mean bachelor's beans or baked beans. I just mean like beans as in chickpeas, kidney beans, lentils, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think it's a good distinction. I could be eat a vegan diet and eat nothing but vegan hot chocolate. And I had vegan Oreo cookies and I had a vegan burger. And then I had a vegan ice cream for dessert. Woohoo, go vegan. But, but I think the distinction that I'm trying to make here is that whole plant food is where you're going to be getting food in its unprocessed, unrefined form where it's naturally high in fiber. Because on average, nine out of 10 people listening to this podcast will be deficient in fiber. The average fiber intake is around 16 to 17 grams versus the recommended daily intake is 30. And typically, if you're eating a predominantly whole food plant-based diet, you're going to be getting around 45 to 60 grams of fiber per day. And fiber is uh, known as a prebiotic. So this is the food that the bacteria in your microbiome consume to create more beneficial bacteria. And if you're eating more diverse plant-based foods, you're going to have even more variety of bacteria. So you're more resilient and have a stronger immune system. Yeah, that's, so, where, that's where nearly all your immune system is. So, so go vegetables. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's so brilliant. And it's, it's funny because, you know, let's go back to when you were talking about when you were traveling and you were um, actively wanting to try things that weren't the norm. But it's so funny what the norm has become. The norm has, be- has become walking into a shop and buying a, a packet of something that's highly processed that's completely normalized or you know a vending machine where you're just getting empty calories out of it or whatever it might be that has been normalized but to rely more heavily on like you just said beans and lentils and vegetables is seen as kind of a little bit you know off center it's so bizarre we've just sort of been conditioned into thinking that this is the way we have to rely on packaged foods and things that are already pre-made and yeah okay Many people out there, I'm sure you feel the same as I do, are are time poor. I feel time poor a lot of the time. But if you can batch cook, if you can learn to make simple, quick recipes, but really focus on the basics, that's where it's at when we're looking at at fibre versus just eating crap that's pre-made and not great. Yeah, I think I think we're we're a product now. This is this is a kind of a a large word which makes me sound smart, but I think it's a really clever one. It's called. we live in an obesogenic environment. So it's like we do, we live in an environment nowadays that doesn't support us to be healthy. It supports us to become obese. And to go, we're going against the tide when we're trying to eat plant-based because, or when you're trying to be healthy, because the average person nowadays in the UK, it's about 55% of their calories are ultra processed. In Ireland, it's, it's a little less than that. In the US, it's slightly more than that, but more than half of the calories we eat are ultra processed. Whereas as Stephen said, in the blue zones, it's like 95% plus. So it's it's really about like the environment doesn't support you. So it's up to each person as an individual. And it's it really is. It's, it's one of the single biggest things you can do for your own personal health, for your energy, also for the planet, also for the environment. Oh, there's so many factors. Like we'll often say that like politics starts in your plate. And it's not just it's not just the environment, but like your own personal health. Like we all want to wake up and feel good. We want to have energy. We want to feel excited. We want to we want to love life. And you're without health, it's nearly impossible. And Food is such a massive contributor and most of us just go along and just consume. We become the product of this obesogenic environment. So for anyone listening that wants to take charge and kind of go, okay, I'm interested. I want to try this. We've got, we've got over 700 recipes in our YouTube channel. A lot of them are like five minute dinners. 
they're free. They're free. So like you can literally just have a look at them. And I'd suggest just start with one step at a time and go, okay, I make a chicken curry. I'm going to maybe make a chickpea curry tonight and just start and kind of go, okay, I'm going to do this one dish. I like it. I'm going to add another one in and go one step at a time because there is no perfect. It's like there is no perfect at all. It's just making steps in the right direction. And if you eat meat 14 times a week, maybe kind of go, okay, well, maybe I'm going to try have one meal without it and see how I feel and move the dial that way. But like you say, you know, we do have to rally against what is, you know, encouraged by the powers that be. And it takes a bit of effort and a bit of, you know, new habit building. But it's not impossible, as you've both proved, changing your lifestyle so dramatically. And I wonder, having now done this beautiful project and building this amazing community over the last two decades, what have you seen change within the world of wellness, whatever you want to call it? Obviously, the word wellness is thrown about you know, it's ubiquitous these days. Everyone's kind of talking about it or jumping on it or wanting a bit of it. But of course, when you started in the early noughties, that that wasn't the case. You know, it was a, a much lesser heard conversation. So what have been the, the big changes that you've observed over the last 20 years? It's been a huge shift. I know when we first started it, we kind of never labeled our cafe as vegan or vegetarian. It was just healthy food. And you'd see people come in and they'd go, can I order the chicken curry? And it would say chickpea curry, but you wouldn't correct <laughs> And you'd never correct them. You'd go, yeah, of course, yeah, I get it for you now. And then they go up and eat it. And they go, that was lovely. And then they might come back the next day and they'd see shepherdless pie, but they'd see shepherd's pie and you'd give it to them. They go, oh, delicious again. And then a week later, they come back and go, geez, I didn't know it was vegetarian or vegan. Well, it was really nice. So it was this kind of, we noticed a slight change because the label vegetarian or vegan can be very binary or even plant-based. It can be like you're into it or you're not into it. Whereas I think, you know, we've seen, I guess, over the years, to answer your question more directly, um, you know, it's suddenly become fashionable. Like we'd meet people that go, I, I really want to be vegan, but I'm struggling to be there. As opposed to back when we first started, you never told anyone. When we first came back from traveling, we were eating a vegan diet. And I remember phoning up a friend. Um, this We knew there was one one vegan in the town and his name was Andy <laughs> Keller. And he was a friend, Gav's brother. And I remember calling Gav up and go, how are you, Gav? Just wondering, can I talk to your, your brother, Andy? And he went, what do you want to talk to Andy about? And I said, I just put Andy on. And Andy got on the phone. It was like, how are you, Andy? Uh, Steve Flynn here gab's mate yeah yeah just wondering any chance we could meet up and just talk about what it is like to be a vegan in greystones because he was the town vegan and he was often slagged for it so we met up and we had a good chat about how like where do you get lentils and like how do you cook them and all this type of stuff and that was kind of the support the start of our support in the, in this aspect and i think one of the main reasons why we started our business was we wanted to create an environment that would support us to live the lifestyle that we wanted and a community that we could create that would support us to make the healthy choice. So in essence, the changes we've seen is that it's become more and more ubiquitous access to health foods, but it's also as humans, our hard wiring is to create fat and sugar because fat is twice the calories when compared to protein and carbohydrate. Life has become more stressful. Life has been more fueled on cortisol and adrenaline. You know, we're, we're turning more into human doings rather than human beings. And I think as a result, as you mentioned, many of us are time poor. So we're looking for the hack and we think, oh, that protein bar is the hack. Whereas in reality, I think the wealth that we have within each of us is the moment to slow down and actually to be slightly more considered about our food choices and being able to share those with others. I think that's the true wealth. Uh, and I don't think I answered your question exactly. No, I don't think you did. But I went no, off but on a bit of a rant. But it it a doesn't matter. Rant. <laughs> 
It's a great run, and you've you've moved into some very interesting territory because stress is something that we're all dealing with, you know. And you guys are running a business, and you have children, and you know you're looking for time and space and ways to find that stillness. How how do you manage stress? Is there one of you that gets more stress than the other? Ends on the day. Right. Yeah, definitely. But no, we both we both suffer with stress just like everyone else because we're the product of the current environment. But definitely it's something that we're very conscious of. Like previously, like back, I'd say for the previous 10 years up until the last couple of years, we used to every New Year's Eve, we'd sit, the pair of us would sit down on that break between Christmas and New Year's and we'd write these big list of goals. Oh, Steve, this year I'm going to like, I'm going to smash, I'm going to be able to do blah. And we'd have all these big long lists. Whereas the last couple of years, literally we've had one objective. It's like, I want to slow down. Yeah, I want to slow down. So it's been front and center and even it being front and center, it's still been challenging to actually put it into practice and walk or talk. So, but we definitely like, I'm, I definitely make time. I find it easier. I have my kids half the time. Steve has, Steve has his kids with him all the time. So I think it's about really prioritizing. here under the table. No, they're not. No, <laughs> <laughs> no but uh, I really like things which we always do. Obviously that we, we prioritize our mornings where we, we swim and we train. And then often like we have one another, which is hugely important. I think support is such a massive thing. Like we touched on community, the need for community. And I think community friendship and acceptance is the antithesis of loneliness. And I think this is so fundamentally important. This need to this basic biological need to be seen to have someone where you can go, I feel crap. I don't feel good. And I think that's at the core of it. And like we could talk about food all day long and about, oh, the benefits of goji berries or whatnot. But I really think two of the most, like the biggest superfoods that we, anyone must could have is laughter, is love, is joy, is acceptance. And I think these are, these are what we need nowadays. This is what society needs more of us and each of us as individuals. So, so I really think it's about like, you know, as I said, my morning today, I sat down and I wrote four pages and then I wrote down, like, this is something which I used to do with a friend, I text him in the morning. We call it a daily design. And literally you write down what you're going to plan out for your day. And it's not like, I want to go eat this. I want to do this. I typically write down, okay, today I want to be nice to myself. I want to move with ease. I want to make sure and take the time to really enjoy myself and my time with my kids. And like just setting out that little intention first thing in the day, I find is really helpful for me. Yeah, I, um, I think that's very important because a lot of the stuff within the wellness world um, can feel quite prescribed. Like if you drink green juice, eat the goji berries, cover yourself in quartz crystals and do yoga every day, you're going to feel amazing. But unless you've got those very basic things ticked, like you're saying, slowing down, being gentler and kinder to yourself, you know, having acceptance of yourself, looking to cultivate community, all that stuff won't touch the sides. It won't do a thing. But we're only looking at the sort of the more, I don't want to say superficial because yoga is obviously seeped in history and it's an esoteric practice. But a lot of the time we feel like if we're doing all the stuff that we know is, you know, labelled as good for us, like the, the you know, eating certain foods or whatever, or mindfulness activities, that we're going to be fixed or we're going to be okay. And actually we have to look at what's beneath all of that and find acceptance in the bits that aren't okay because we can't fix ourselves, etc. So it's it's really important that we're, we're going a bit deep with all of it rather than just doing all the sort of bits on the surface, I guess. 
And I really think at the core of it is humans, I think is relationships. And like, I think that's like having a laugh. Like, I think there's nothing like, you know, that that basic expression of a problem shared is a problem halved. And I think most of us have loads of problems. And to someone like, we're very fortunate, we're identical twins. But when I look at my wife, we got cats there a couple of years ago. And like, Sab doesn't need humans like I do. She just, she's, she's, she's very happy in her own company. And we got cats and she said, the quality of my life has improved by 40%. So somehow she put it down to percentages, but like for, she's an introvert and she finds that she gets great acceptance and love and joy in animals. So it doesn't necessarily need to be other humans, yeah. but it's it's really recognizing that we are all going around with invisible signs that say, please love me please accept me. And we all have different strategies. Some of us have nice hair. Some of us have nice skin. Some of us are overachievers. Some of us have big muscles, but we all underneath it all want to be accepted. We want to be loved. We want to be seen. And I think everyone needs to remember that because when you look, when you meet someone in the street, they're just a vulnerable little they're a human that is doing their best that is the same basic core needs as you and all of us are like this yeah I I agree I I like my cats more than quite a lot of people in my life I love them I I get just beautiful joy from those gorgeous moggies but I agree you know we're all we're all trying our best we're all moving through this weird world in the best way we can making mistakes and tripping up and we all just want to be accepted I think it's um it's really liberating to, to think like that. I really liked a post you put on Instagram very recently about happiness and and you, you touched on quite a lot of the things that we've talked about today, talking about, you know, it's not that you're in a relationship or not. It's not that you're following in the footsteps of another. It's really tuning in and listening to, to what your heart's saying and that sort of whisper that you, you have within and the relationship that you have with yourself. Um, I think some people listening to this and certainly myself, probably in my 20s, I don't think I would have been sure if I had a relationship with myself or not. I think I was so used to distractions that there possibly wasn't one, but I wasn't aware of it. What do you think the best way is to really work out if you are in good shape with yourself, if you have a good relationship with yourself, if you're listening to yourself? How how have you done that? I think the more one can sit in a room on your own and feel comfortable and feel content, I think that's a huge measure of your sense of comfort within yourself. Uh, and I think many have different ways to approach it. I think for for us or for me, you know, I think spending time in nature is very good. It helps at least take me down from being a human doing to be a human being you know nature has this kind of much more softer rhythm whereas if you go say around london it just has this pulse of caffeine and adrenaline whereas if you suddenly go out to say the cotswolds and you're around by a river and there's the trees and you can hear the birds sing and there's just this feeling of ease and flow so i think nature is a great connector and reminder that we're part of this fully interdependent beauty of life and I think that's something that has but I would think all of us are on this journey like no one has nailed it we haven't nailed it we are on this journey just like everyone else so I think first and foremost it's accepting that like your relationship with yourself will some days be brilliant you're gonna have great days and you're also gonna have challenging days and that's why we need other humans as well so like it's a continuum and we're all on this journey. And certainly for me, I find like meditation, I find that's great, but like that doesn't have to be sitting there, you know, cross leg doing some app or something. It can be just being more mindful when you're washing the dishes. It can be, you know, really sitting and enjoying your morning coffee. Like this can be like, but it's really consciously realizing 
becoming aware of your own emotions and what makes you feel good and what makes you not like it's I, I don't have an answer a specific answer I just know that we're on the journey just like everyone else and curious and fascinated by this whole thing yeah because we all know that um self-love is really important and again you know the term self-care has been sort of warped to some extent and commodified etc but I don't think any of us are it's not perhaps realistic to think that we could love ourselves entirely every day because that's a big ask and I think instead I guess it is having that acceptance when you don't when there's a day where you think oh my gosh I'm you know, I, I've actually, you know, I feel like a, a failure or I feel lesser than or whatever it is and having acceptance of that and then being kind to yourself, not punishing yourself, which I think so many of us do. We berate ourselves. We talk to ourselves in the most awful manner and then we put, put ourselves in situations that are toxic and because we don't feel we deserve any better. So I guess it it really comes down to sort of having self-acceptance. How How are you, you know, obviously individually how how do you feel about that where are you in that sort of journey do you do you have full self-acceptance would you say definitely a lot better than I had 20 years ago I think as you get older it tends to become easier because you know this is in my own personal case anyway my own relationship myself I feel and it was very interesting back about three years ago I remember being like as an identical twin we have a blurred identity so it's you're always kind of you can see yourself quite easily through Steve I can see Steve and I can judge him and kind of typically it's judging about myself but I remember being in Spain and I was on a beach by myself I was in a place with like no one knew me it was complete anonymity and I remember kind of going oh my goodness like what would it be like starting off here afresh like how would I live my life who would I be and just that very thought made me kind of realize that okay where I'm at my life I'm happy I've got like I have lots of responsibilities I have headspace I've created like you know it's a constant is that the app too what's that headspace <laughs> the app sorry headspace. Oh, no no to like headspace in <laughs> actual my, real headspace right. yeah real headspace you know that I think it's like I don't think there's, there's, there's once again, I think it's an evolution and a constant daily issue. And I think in terms of self-care and self-management and all these type of things, I think focusing on others is hugely important because you could get wrapped up. We live in quite a self-centered culture. And I think the more like certainly having kids is a wonderful, like it's so challenging, but it really hammers your ego and it hammers because you've got so much responsibility and you have to think of someone else ahead of you. And I think it's the same with running a business. There's lots of people we're responsible for. Like, so it, you can't really be that self-indulgent. Obviously, there's times when I feel more tender and more vulnerable and Steve will go, hey, listen, it's all right. Come on, we go for a swimmer. We'll run up Brayhead and we'll be grand. It'll all be all right. Come on, we'll be grand tomorrow. <laughs> uh, but like, but I think responsibility and these other things are like, sometimes we can be, self-care can be indulgent and it can be, you know, to the detriment of yourself. And I think sometimes these other actions of caring about others, having kids, having things outside of yourself, having friends which you need to show up for, like this is what brings out the best in us. Yeah. I think so much of at least my experience of modern day living, it's caught up in our head. It's in our cerebrum, it's logic, it's thought. And I think for me, the more I can not necessarily be led by the noise in my head and actually connect into my heart and my gut, I find I'm in a much better state of flow. So I've kind of tried to consciously, uh, even though it sounds 
a bit uh, ironic that I'm actually consciously like using my thought to not listen to my thoughts, but to more focus on my breath and to focus more on my kind of gut instinct and kind of listen to my intuition more. And I find the more when I'm in that sense of space, the more there's a sense of flow and there's less friction in my life and there's less right and wrong. It's just kind of, it's just unfolding in its own beautiful way. Mm, and again, that Erratic. in itself is, um, well, it's rebelling against the norm again, isn't it? Because we've placed such importance on the brain, the brain and intellect is seemingly in modern day society much more valuable than wisdom, which blows my mind because to me, meeting someone that's truly wise, they probably are led much more by their heart and a very full-bodied experience versus, you know, intellectual intelligence. And it's bizarre that we've placed that above true wisdom, which is following your heart and, you know, not compartmentalising your brain and then your body as these two separate things. It's... It's weird. And it, and again, I, I love the fact that it's sort of rebelling against the norm to, to follow your heart and rather than go, oh, I need to make a list of pros and cons here and work out what's best to listen to that internal voice, which which is you know not to do with thought so much at all. I, I think it's um, a really important point. It is quite it is kind of it is. I was just going to say, I think the irony is that like, you know, the like modern culture leads you to believe that you need to have money, you need to be famous, you need to have abs and you need to look good to be happy. And that's kind of the the, the kind of sentiment which modern culture kind of sells us. Often, often. Often, yeah. But the irony is that like, ultimately it's about your relationship with yourself. The more ease and grace and acceptance of yourself. And, and that, that typically comes by, you know, going through hard times. It doesn't come because it's been easy the whole way but it's that constant journey of kind of accepting yourself and kind of going okay like I'm I'm not like someone on Instagram or whatever but I'm here and I'm doing my best and sure listen sure I've always got Mary there down the road or I can call around to Pat and she can go for a coffee and sure it's all right aren't we doing or else you know, I can just sit here with the cats and they can be my spiritual guide because they're so beautiful. present and so here you know that way and I they're think the best meditators oh my god divine yeah, talking about being. But, but, but I think, sorry, I'm, we're, we're, we're going off on one, but I think the more we can learn to appreciate that the magic of life is in the present moment, it's not in once we get the next thing, it's not in when we become X, Y, or Z. I think it's the, the magic of life in my experience is the more I can appreciate the little things, the more on the way to school with the kids and Ned start going, look, a flower. And you're like, wow, a flower. They're starting to bud. And you're excited by those little things. Or like, or even this morning, I was going for a walk with dad and we were rooting around his garden because the daffodils usually come up at the start of December. And we were looking around for signs. Of, Why aren't the daffodils up yet? That's strange. It's like the 30th of November. Usually they're here for Christmas. And we were rooting around the garden for wow why aren't the daffodils up and it was like it was just such a simple basic thing and it was really pleasant you know that's where it's at it's the simple beautiful joys of life it's so it's so wonderful I could literally talk to you two all day you make me feel so happy just talking to you I feel totally buzzed up and um I've got to get myself to Greystones at some point down the line it's got to happen I know old Joe Wicks has been in the sea with you guys so I need to I need Dave to breathe. Dave is a spare room, so you're welcome. Oh, I got a spare anytime. room. Yeah, I have a spare okay. room too, but I have three wild children, so you're probably better off. Than Dave's <laughs> I'm used house. to that. I'm very <laughs> used to that. No, I need. I definitely 
need to do it at some point. Preferably, weirdly, I'm going to say in the winter because I don't fancy getting up at half four. Yeah, yeah. The irony with the sea is summer, it's warmer, but you got to get ridiculous early. The sweet spot is September. Right. September sunrise is about half six and the sea is seven. It's even, it's even seven. And, oh, and the temperature, bingo. water temperature can be a luscious 17 degrees. Yeah, yeah. Okay, which September. Is actually quite pleasant. September yeah, it September is. September is a great time of the year. Okay, we need to, we need to plan this for sure. Yeah, um, there you go. I can't thank you enough. You're doing just exceptional work and I love following you and you've been hugely encouraging for me to to look at a plant-based diet and really go for it. Um, so thank you so much and I hope we get to do this again soon. You're wonderful. Thank you. It's been a real, real honour. So delighted. Okay, I've got until September to gear myself up for this swim. Ah! I think I can do it. I think I'm excited slash terrified. Um, I tell you what, if the energy Dave and Steve have isn't the best advert for going vegan and jumping in the sea and doing handstands, I don't know what is. I had such a blimmin' lovely time chatting to Dave and Steve. Thank you so much, chaps. Love you guys. Their latest book, The Veg Box, is available to pre-order now. It's an absolutely perfect collection for vegans, vegetarians, or just anyone looking to eat a bit more plant-based, really. And if you're hungry to learn more about vegan living, check out the Happy Place episode with Ella Mills. And also more recently, I spoke to the one and only Jamie Oliver. So more fruit and veg goodness there too. There's that awesome back catalogue of episodes to listen to. And there are also new episodes for you every single week. So do make sure you're following the podcast for free so you don't miss any in the future. A massive thanks again to Dave and Steve, to the producer Anushka Tate at Rethink Audio and to you. I love you very much and I'll see you soon.